0: This is State of Water. This is State of Water.
1: This is State of Water. State
0: of Water, coming at you right now. State of Water. A podcast focusing on clean water issues and their relationship to policy, equity, community, and climate.
1: Featuring captivating interviews with Michiganders from many walks of life. State of Water is the official podcast of the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan, a program of the nonprofit organization Title Track.
2: Hey, this is Jenny from Title Track. If you resonate with what you're
1: about to hear, put those feelings into action. Take the first step toward getting involved by going to
0: titletrackmichigan.org contact to sign up for our mailing list.
1: Welcome back, friends. Thanks for being with us. On this special episode, we feature a Michigan music legend. Mad Cat Ruth is a Grammy Award-winning virtuoso harmonica player based out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mad Cat doesn't just play blues harp, he also sings, plays ukulele, guitar, hi-hat, jaw harp, penny whistle, kalimba, banjo, many other folk instruments from around the world. After studying harmonica and Chicago blues with Big Walter Horton, Mad Cat moved to Ann Arbor. In the 70s, he was touring the world with jazz pianist Dave Brubeck. In the 80s, Mad Cat went solo infusing the folk blues tradition with elements of rock and jazz. In the 90s, Mad Cat teamed up with guitarist-singer Sherry Kane to form the duo Mad Cat and Kane. For 24 years, they toured nationally and internationally. Well, my little brother about to drive me out of my mind. He says, can I go fishing with you? I took him on over to the Mississippi River. What do you think that little rascal did do? He pulled a knife on the
2: bottom, yes, he He was the got the right
1: He now plays in triple play with Chris Brubeck, Big Joe Mamfra, and the Mad Cat Midnight Blues Journey. He's been featured at harmonica festivals in North America, South America, Europe, and Asia, and he can be heard playing on over 130 albums. Here to start the conversation with Mad Cat is his old friend, Seth Bernard.
0: How's the weather this morning in Ann Arbor, Mad Cat?
2: It's beautiful. It's, uh... After several days of overcast, we have bright blue skies and low sixties, so it's very nice.
0: Beautiful. If you could be any bird today, what kind of bird would you be?
2: Mmm. Mmm. Mm. I guess a robin.
0: Yeah. Because
2: <laughs> they're uh, they're such good hunters, and they they're more efficient than most hunter gatherers <laughs> that like, like i'm always eating
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome so you're you know a treasured and celebrated musician uh based in ann arbor who's toured the world for for many decades at this point and um I thought that it would be wonderful to get your perspective on on water because um, you have also spent so much time in nature and had such a passion for canoeing and camping, and you and I have shared this beautiful experience of doing annual canoe trips. Uh Uh, So I thought we could start maybe with you taking us back to your childhood and and how your relationship with the natural world and with water kind of came to be and was formed.
2: Okay, well, both my parents were born and raised in Benton Harbor, Michigan, and my uh, my mother grew up on a house, on a bluff that overlooked Lake Michigan, so that's a lot of water, <laughs> <laughs> and so every year, uh, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, but many times every year, we'd all pile in the the station wagon, and me and my two brothers, my two older brothers, and my uh, mom and dad, and we'd drive over to Benton Harbor. And so just Lake Michigan was a huge part of my uh, youth, but not just Lake Michigan. Also, over in Benton Harbor, the, the St. Joe River and the Paw River come through there. The Pawpaw River enters the St. Joe River about a mile short of Lake Michigan and then they together go into the Lake Michigan. And so as a kid, I'd spend time on the rivers and I'd spend time on on the lake and also uh, there was a a little lake near, inland lake near uh, Benton Harbor called Pipestone Lake and my parents had a friend that, had a house on Pipestone Lake and so I spent time there too so yeah so Lake Michigan the inland lake of Pipestone Lake and the Pawpaw River and St. Joe River were all a big part of my youth and so when I was a little kid the family didn't have a canoe but we had a friend that had a canoe My, my parents had a friend that had a canoe and so we'd borrow that canoe and and then when I was about eleven years old my dad got his own Grumman aluminum canoe and uh so then yeah, I just spent a lot of time all and also in suburban Chicago. Uh the town of Park Ridge is where I grew up and the Des Plains River went through there. So I uh, I was canoeing on all of those places. So canoeing and spending time on the beach was a big part of my youth
0: it's amazing how personal those relationships to lakes and rivers are mm-hmm. i think about my when i was a kid learning to swim and and fish in loon lake and how loon lake was like a friend mm-hmm. and um i fell through the ice in loon lake too and mm-hmm. uh, and so, you know, the relationship became a little more complicated at that point. <laughs> but uh, but still very personal and like holding all this history. And uh, sure. so it's like we talk a lot about our relationship with water. Um, from an indigenous perspective, it's it's less about stewardship and more about being in relationship. And I'm, I'm curious to hear just from your perspective, how your relationship with water has influenced you as an artist.
2: Mm. Well, first of all, I uh, also went through the ice and the pop uh, and the Saint. Uh, no, the Des Plaines River when I was a teenager. And I was
0: mm.
2: I, checking out. I was on the edge and I was like jumping on the edge, and it seemed really thick. And I thought, "Oh, this is great!" And I went. I'm, running and sliding on the ice and whoop, went right through. (laughs) Wasn't that deep. It only went about waist deep. Was able to crawl out, but it was mighty cold. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, uh, how does the water relate to my art? I don't know. That's a deep question and I don't have a quick answer to that one. It's just... I guess I... (laughs) I just thought of a thing when I let when I'm really playing music at my very finest, the music just seems to be flowing through
0: me. And Mm -hmm. whoa, flow! That's what that's what water does. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's kind of like letting go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I I can relate to that feeling. And I've I've seen you in that zone many times, and it's a beautiful thing to to behold and to hear. Um, yeah,
2: well when you're in that zone and playing music it, it's like you're witnessing what's going on. You say, Oh, I didn't know I was gonna play that you know, Oh, wow. Did, did you hear that? Wow. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you're it's beyond the mind. It's so the the witness is there but you're not thinking, oh, I'm about to do this lick right here. It just it just flows. Hmm. So when a leaf is going down a stream and it comes to a a snag there, you don't know if the leaf is going to go to the right side or the left side, but it it does, or it
0: gets caught on the snag. <laughs> <laughs> We've been there musically too. <laughs> yeah, so you know the experience of being on stage. You've 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 played all over the world. You played in some of the most beautiful. Halls, you know, across the land. Starting, you know, with your global tours with with Dave Brubeck and and uh-huh. still playing with Chris Brubeck and Triple Play. You play, you know, in, in Southeast Asia. You've done harmonica conventions and and shows with various groups. You you go to South America and tour with Big Joe Manfra and others in Brazil. And I'm curious, you know, as a as a world traveler you know, how water helps you orient to a place and the people there.
2: Mm. Well, I usually, when I usually play at a place, it's in a city and the cities are usually built on, on oceans or rivers just cause that's a good place to build a city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, i am playing in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, is such a beautiful place with ocean all around it. Yeah, playing the Sydney Opera House in Sydney, Australia, it's right on the ocean front. And water is so integral to life that, you know, why are cities built where they're built? You know, it's because of water. Mm. Because of water. Like, I grew up in Chicago. And why is Chicago where it is? Well, it's right where the Chicago River comes into Lake Michigan, you know. So why is Benton Harbor where it is? Because the Saint Joe River comes into Lake Michigan.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Why well, is Ann Arbor here? Well, the Huron River was here.
0: So the Huron River. Can you talk about your relationship with that river? You 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 mentioned all these rivers of your your childhood, and your early life, and now you've been hanging out with the Huron for quite a while.
2: Yeah. What sure, kind of
0: river well, is it?
2: Well, it's a very nice river. <laughs> <laughs> medium-sized river but yeah it's always uh it's rejuvenating to be near a, a river and especially i love the wildness around rivers you know the, the city's built on a river but also rivers have floodplains around them which aren't really suitable for for building houses and stuff and isn't that a delight because then there's all these marshes and swamps and And forests uh, that grow up along the rivers, and then they need the water, too. (laughs) So it's a great place to hang out, to be with nature. Mm. Especially good for the soul.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah, I feel that. The first time my daughter Iris ever saw a train was walking... By the <laughs> Huron River with you. That's
2: right. I remember that very well.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a really exciting moment in her life. And you, do you have a harmonica nearby? Oh yeah, <laughs> always right.
2: Let me see. I didn't even. I'm laying down on a bed, and I didn't even have to get off the bed to find a nice one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> great, great. So. Yeah, I got one. <laughs> Beautiful. So I, I thought it'd be nice to kind of mix it up between some stories and, and flowing with some harmonica here.
2: Oh. If you're up for it. Sure. Well, then the first thing I did was just, uh, I was thinking about the Huron River, actually, when I was playing that. It's just like slowly moving along, you know. Hmm. But then sometimes you know there's there's rapids and there's uh, waterfalls. And when the uh, when that water gets to hitting the rocks. You know. Yeah. Oh, that was different. (laughs) I didn't know it was going to go like that, but it did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that reminded me of the Pine River, which we've canoed a couple times.
2: Oh, yeah. So I wanted to bring up something about rivers, because I'm older than some of the people that are listening to this podcast. And when I was a kid, in the 1950s, the Pawpaw River was was pretty darn polluted. And then in like the early sixties it was really polluted. Just you know, it's all this industrial stuff just dumped into the pawpaw and it was it was ugly. Mm. And then because of the Clean Water Act, which wasn't until the seventies, I guess. you know, the companies weren't allowed to just dump their stuff into the river. And because of that, uh, the Pawpaw River is, you know, it's nice again. And it, it's important to remember that, that it's especially in these times when when there's all this push amongst certain people that to like undo these, you know, quote burdensome <laughs> uh restrictions on where they can dump their garbage, you know. Uh I don't wanna go backwards. I don't wanna go back to the time when the Pawpaw River just was awful. I don't wanna go back to the time where the Cuyahoga River in Ohio's caught on fire, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh so we have to be mindful, and we have to keep uh, keep our politicians mindful that, that the rivers are in good shape, or, you know, pretty good shape these days because of the actions we took in the past. And we don't want to undo all that stuff. It's really important not to undo that stuff. And I just wanted to put that out there. Because uh, uh, I said, you know, as a kid, I used to canoeing, well, I used to look at the Pawpaw River, but we wouldn't really canoe in it until my dad and I had a, a, also had a tradition like you and I uh, of an annual canoe trip. And it wasn't until like the 1980s that we were able to really canoe on the Pawpaw and really enjoy it. For what a beautiful river it was. Mm-hmm. And it was my dad especially appreciated it. Because when he was a kid, the Paw River was a pristine river and he would go canoeing on it with his friends and, and then he, he couldn't for several decades, just because it was so awful. But it, you know, nature has a way of healing itself. Mm-hmm. But we have to give nature a chance by uh, not nice. allowing for people to foul up the, the rivers and the lakes.
0: Well said. Thank you for sharing that. And you've had, you know, a a lot of experience up close and personal with Connie, your wife, working for the EPA. You're right, You're right. And then your daughter, Molly, you know, going on into environmental studies in college and, and being passionate about the environment um, through her life as, as you are. So I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, how, how you've seen Connie grappling with changes within the EPA and, and working as just a compassionate human being to try to stand for the land and for the water, working within these governmental channels.
2: Yeah, she, when, when the current administrator of the EPA comes on the radio, she just has to turn it off. <laughs> it's just...
1: Because
2: yeah. <laughs> the whole idea of of our, our current administration trying to you know put someone in the head of the e p a who's really trying to shut it down is is pretty awful you
0: know yeah
2: the uh the e p a was set up under the Nixon administration, so mm-hmm. that was good and uh then during the Reagan administration there there was this effort to try to kill the EPA off mm-hmm. but it didn't work <laughs> and then now currently there's a, there's another uh, effort to try to deregulate to try to make sure that that money is put as a, a higher priority than than the environment but um so in in politics, there's always, you know, give and take, and there's, you know, there's always advancement and and then retraction, you know, and so something we have to be mindful of to keep our politicians uh, informed about what is important. And so, um, and so in Connie's time in the EPA, a program would be put in place and then there was workers in the EPA that would, you know, carry out these programs. And some of the programs she was working on, she thought, oh, these are great. This is just what we need. And some of the programs she was working on, it's like, well, this might help a little, but it's not really helping as much as a different program would help, you know? And so so the the government can do what the government does. and. And sometimes it's really, uh, really helpful. And sometimes it's not so helpful. And sometimes it's, it's the wrong direction all the way all altogether. So, but she feels like she's retired now from the EPA, but she feels like, yes, yeah, she did a good job for a good organization that for the most part was doing good things for the environment. Not everything was great, not everything was awful, but generally she feels good about her time there because it was making a positive difference.
0: Yeah, and, and there's so many different ways to contribute. You know, um, we we talked to a lot of folks working with grassroots organizations, frontline organizations, we talked to um, elected officials, um, I think for all of us it's it's important as you spoke of just to recognize that elections have consequences. Definitely. And, and they have huge consequences on the futures of our ecosystems and so um you know in, in times like these it's not enough to just vote we have to encourage everybody around us to vote and and to go beyond voting into Actually, communicating with our elected officials and and being involved and making sure they know who we are and um, on the state level, it's not really that difficult and it makes a huge difference to know who our representatives are, know who our state senators are, um, to com- communicate with the governor's office and the attorney general's office. It's simple; it doesn't take long, and and those actions have consequences. Um, you know, beyond the elections, actually just being involved with whoever it has been elected. And um, I think that, you know, right now we're at a time where it's an all hands on deck moment going into the next election cycle. And we've got a lot lot at stake uh, beyond just the presidency with, uh, with the Senate and um, lots of l- more local officials and so clean water is 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 where we're at and i'd love to hear you speak to the role of music in 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 movements and in uh campaigns and um you've been alive for every single earth day (laughs) right (laughs) yes i have and so like just to have a more of a, a broad perspective, you know the way that you've seen music being involved in in movements to to protect the earth and and protect the water.
2: Well, it's just that music has a way of focusing attention in a way. So hmm. if there's a if there's an event that where people need to hear a, a certain message, well, I've been involved with many of these events where where there's a little music to get people's attention and then and then you kind of say oh while you're paying attention listen to this message you know? it's, yeah. just, it's kind of like a, kind of like the old medicine show wagons that would go out and They'd have some medicine they're trying to sell and they'd have some musicians they'd roll into town and the musicians would play get a crowd around and then they'd try to sell their medicine but this is good this is good medicine you're working on you know (laughs) trying to get people to pay attention to the environment well that's the best sort of medicine that's that's true medicine
0: yeah yeah well how about some musical medicine Okay. I was feeling the birds I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful. So there's a there's kind of some interesting contrasts that you have in your life between performing for large audiences and sometimes like really rocking music. And then you also really value quiet and meditation. Um, Oh yeah. Long time meditator. And um, so can you talk about that balance, you know, between like the feeling you get when you're on stage in Brazil with the big Joe mom for a blues band, you know, playing for thousands of people versus paddling, you know, on the Manistee river
2: it's all it's all a part of the whole whole play of consciousness there's a there's a place for all of this and yeah i was really fortunate as a kid i lived in this town called Park Ridge, and it was uh, on the edge of chicago and so when i was a little kid uh parkridge was the suburban community but it wasn't really all built up yet there's a lot of what we called the prairies, and it was just these open lots that were just weeds and knee high with wild prairie grass, you know, just and those rabbits and snakes and and you know, you know occasionally even a fox or something, and uh, and then there was the the forest preserve because the the county of cook county had the good sense to to make forest preserves along the dust plains river so as a kid i i did a lot of time playing in the wilds playing Mm. just out in nature and then when i was uh after i was about 10 or 11 of course i still played in nature but then i I got to really loving Chicago, the city, and I was right on the edge, so I could take the uh, the city bus the Chicago city bus to the l and and go into downtown Chicago. I could take the commuter train and go into downtown Chicago and walk around in in the middle of the these tall buildings and at that time it was the second biggest city in the United States
0: mm-hmm.
2: and And so I had this balance in my life of really urban and really rural and really well, yeah, I I had some time on farms with some distant relatives but I I had these times, these city times and these wild wildness times Mm -hmm. (laughs) natural times and and it was great for me growing up to have both of those experiences because mm-hmm. sometimes when a people, when someone grows up and has no concept of the wild, so they're missing out on a lot. But also if someone is doesn't have any concept of what city life is like, they're, they're missing out on something too. And so I was fortunate to have that balance in my life and I yeah and so musically, yeah sometimes you're know, I've been in places where I'm playing for a few thousand people, and sometimes I've been in places where I'm playing for- you know ten people, and sometimes I just play music and I'm the only one there, <laughs> <laughs> and that's nice too. <laughs> Yeah. And like today, I just played these things today, and you heard it, and I heard it, but who knows how many people, I have no idea how many people are going to listen to your podcast, maybe, <laughs> maybe thousands of people will hear it again, who knows, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what are the things throughout your life that have, have brought you joy and peace most consistently?
2: Well, the natural world, I think, yeah, brings me joy and peace most consistently. Yeah, I still take daily walks. In the, I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. There's a little thirty-acre woods called the Eber White Woods. It's only only a half block from my house, and so on. I take daily I take daily walks in the. Uh, in the forest and it's beautiful these days with all the wildflowers coming up Mm. and and meditation I've been um, as you mentioned earlier I've been meditating um, for many decades and I've gotten into a very 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 regular meditation where I'm meditating uh, an hour a day it's actually an hour a night because I meditate in the middle of the night. Because
0: it's there's no distractions. <laughs> it's very quiet that time of year, that time of day. Beautiful. These are you bring up things that anyone can do, and there's no fee. You know, there's there's no monthly. That's correct. You don't have That's to so p- pay a monthly subscription to take a walk in the woods or to meditate. That's it yeah right here they're just right here before us Mm -hmm. you have been such a such an important person in my life you know as a as a friend and a mentor and and the times that we've spent out on the rivers together have been so tranquil you know amidst yeah amidst all of the the busyness um and i love what i'm doing you know i i i feel i have convictions around the things that i spend my time doing but this practice of setting aside time to to be on the rivers with you and to be quiet and to notice we've seen so much wildlife and and it's it's this side of the world that you don't see unless you go out and paddle these rivers um but it's it's tranquility and it's uh it's time to bear witness to the natural world and also to sort of reflect on on what you've been through. And, um, in the times that we've been canoeing, I've been through so much and and the times that we spent on the water has given me time to reflect on, you know, becoming a father and, and going through different changes in my life and my music and losing people. And, um, I just so appreciate your intention and in creating that space and, and all of the ways that you've showed up, you know, from being at the first water festival in Mackinac city and, <laughs> and right. which rained all day. Right. Of course. Yeah. Um, and not so many of the annual grand river water festivals you played at and, um, so many harvest gatherings and and uh, and just really l- not only you know lending your music to to these efforts to build community and and to protect the water, but but your wonderful presence and I, I just I just want to say how grateful I am. Oh, well,
2: I'm glad glad to be your buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad, I'm grateful to know you too. You're a, a great human being.
0: I remember the first time we jammed together on stage at Farm Fest. I was so much younger then and hadn't played as many solos. Um I had played, you know, I I've been playing some, but I, I somehow found myself on stage with you and a bunch of other people. And you were just ripping into it and we were we were really rocking. I don't remember what we were playing. But um you kind of looked across the stage at me, and as you finished your solo with you know, your harmonica in one hand, you pointed at me with the other hand, like, all right, now you play.
2: <laughs> well,
0: good. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, full immersion. All right, here I go, you know. <laughs> Jumping <laughs>
2: is... in off the deep end.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Another water uh, illusion there.
0: Exactly. It's, you know, and, and away we go. And it's been a great ride all these years, and your birthday parties tend to be the best. You know, we're, we're birthday buddies, too. I'm April 1st oh, yeah. You're April 2nd. Oh. But um, you've had a couple epic ones. It's been Peter Mad Cat Ruth Day in the state of Michigan through, you know, executive orders uh, on your 60th birthday. That's and sad. then again on your 70th with just these amazing groups of people coming together. Through. Yeah, I
2: don't think I don't think you knew who I was when I hit my fiftieth birthday, but but that was that was epic too. <laughs> I bet. But I decided I'm not going to wait until my eightieth. I'm going to have a seventy too. So
0: nice. Yeah, that's significant. Awesome. I look forward to that. Well thank you so much for for sharing your your thoughts and stories and um calls to action today and uh and your music so I'm I'm wondering if you would be so kind as to play us out with with another uh improvisation.
2: Well actually I had a I'm going to, I'm pulling out a ukulele right
0: now. Oh all right.
2: Because I I haven't played this song in a long time but I I wrote a song that when I was on the beach of uh, the Atlantic Ocean, and I was listening to these very gentle waves coming in and out, and I came up with this song. (laughs) Jerry <laughs> Ba.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Mad Cat.
2: All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, keep up the great work. You do great work in this world, and I'm uh, I'm happy that you're doing such great work.
0: Thank you so much. It means so much to me, and I, I love and respect you so much as the global ambassador of, of love and music that you are.
2: Mm. All right. Well, it's very nice talking to you today.
0: You as well. To borrow a phrase from you, see you around the cosmos. Hey, that's it. See,
2: you around, <laughs> the see you around the cosmos. See around the cosmos.